0: You know, he blew the budget on For You trying to get everything right. <laughs> he blew and then the, the Prince album he did in like... <laughs> he, in like he blew Four the budget you all up, over him on him him right. himself. <laughs> but then the Prince album he knocked out in like seven weeks. And this <laughs> this was similar. <laughs> this was... <laughs> well, you guys stuck with this dirty mind. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the
2: Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain,
0: why wouldn't you just record as much as you could?
2: It's just like a
3: story house of ideas. Oh, Jam. Either version. I love both versions.
2: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We're here all again for the new year, for your listening pleasure into your ear. This is Peach and Black. Let me just introduce the panel before we get things started. We've got Captain.
0: I've been waiting such a bloody long time to do this album review.
2: (laughs) Toe jam. (laughs) Nothing left to say. (laughs) And uh, playoff.
1: I've got a funny way of stopping the
2: juice. Alright, we'll get into that, player. We'll get into yeah, all things do. Dirty Mind. Uh, we're here to review the album from 1980, of course. I did mention it a second ago. It is the Dirty Mind album review by the Peach and Black podcast. And we have been waiting a very very long time to, uh, to talk about this. I seem to always say this, but I have to say it again. Seminal release in Prince's career it was the third album
0: excuse uh, yeah, my the pun there
2: <laughs> it's probably apt for this one actually yeah. for this uh, for this particular record but yeah it's it was a third album by uh, by Prince released in October 1980 on Warner Bros records of course and really predominantly a one man band performance again i mean this is early early stuff from the you know, the kid from Minneapolis. It has really ranked incredibly well as far as, um, you know, uh, press and editorial and journalist and even kind of uh, fan reviews go. Uh, you know, often considered one of his greatest albums and certainly one of the best albums of the 1980s, according to countless magazines and, like I said, journalists and music critics. So it's an important, important album, this one. And uh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. Has anyone got any kind of over overwhelming things to say about this album, Dirty Mind, or the era, you know, just on 1979, 1980, uh, in the Prince world at the time?
1: Um, yeah, like, this era, like, 79, 80, it's really interesting in music in general, where you have, the disco was really dying out, because in 79, they had that, um... Disco Demolition Night, the Disco Sucks movement, that they burnt all those disco records in Chicago in the baseball field. And then you saw, like, a real sort of backlash against disco. Not that Prince's music was disco, but the first two albums had tinges of it. I think if he released a third album... That was more R&B and a little bit of disco. You know, I think his career would have taken sort of a different turn. But um, I think just music in general, you had My um, Sharona that was coming up. There was, um, you know, The Clash, Sex Pistols. It was like a punk scene in the UK. Kiss was still big at that time. So it was more sort of rock dominated and so I think it was a good move on his part to do something more rock based and sort of fit in with that but at the same time it was very polarizing the sort of imagery and um, the themes that he was covering on this album.
2: And, and it still is a funk album, isn't it? I mean, it's... Yeah, for sure. But but like you say, it's... Because it's, you mentioned disco, it's post-disco. It's a post-disco funk album. It's not like you're listening to the Bee Gees or to Sylvester or somebody like that. I mean, it's... There's a different tinge. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
3: There's an edge to it. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and a rawness too, right? Because, I mean, these these songs, these eight songs that we're about to talk about, they're all really... I wouldn't call them demos, but they're, they're pre... Pre-something. I mean, it, pre-final production is was my understanding, right? I mean, it wasn't the, the finished product. Someone heard someone heard these eight songs as they were sequenced and said, release them as they are, don't do any more work to them, or something along those lines, I think.
1: Well, they're very different production was from the first two. Like, you know how we reviewed the first two albums, and they had a really warm sound about them, and this has a really... They came out of his home studio, and they sound like that. So, there is a difference in... Definitely the sound.
2: Yeah. yeah. And the, which I'm sure we'll get to, but uh, the, the lyrics and, and the content on this album, really, you compare the content on the first two records to this one, it's like, I think one of the predominant journalists around the around the time said it was one of the biggest, you know, radical changes. I think he said something like a, one of the most radical 180 degree turns in pop history where, you know, an artist that you know and love, who at that stage wasn't a big star yet, but certainly had a following. You know, all all of those followers would have would have been familiar with his work, but then they, you know, upon hearing this, I r- really wonder how many of them stuck around. You know what I mean? It was a, I think it was a big change compared to, to the kind of material he was doing. You know, I mean, "I Want to Be Your Lover" is very different to track number six on this record.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know. the thing. Like the first two albums, there's there's that you know Prince's nastiness, to, for lack of a better term. Like that's there, but it's more subtle. It's more. Like, you hear it more listening back to it, but I imagine at the time it would have just been like, oh, this little subtle reference, haha. Whereas
2: this is like, it's in your face. Mm. Literally. Which is good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you know, I keep talking about journalists and, and sorry that I don't have the references there. I'm sure our listeners don't mind. But what, what one um, one uh, more kind of independent journalist at the time said this this uh, this record was really about the confessions of a sex junkie, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> all melded within this new funk new wave funk sound that he was going for and um and you know and player you mentioned a lot of the bands that were around at the time this is also the time i think the cars and blondie and all those bands were kind of coming up yeah that's right and you can hear Um, some of that in 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 some of the songs on this record i think too so Yeah, yeah you definitely hear it so that was pretty interesting uh what else can we say uh other than that I'm sure we're going to get into it on, on, you know, when we go through the track by track reviews. So, why don't we start with that and go straight into track number one, which is the title song off this record. It is, of course, Dirty Mind. Dirty mind. Written by, and I have to say this, Prince and The Doctor. Dr. Fink, Matt Fink. Let's get into it. Player, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, it starts with that throbbing kick drum and bass synth. And um, right from the opening, it has a lot of energy and drive. And that stays throughout the song and pretty much through the whole album when I come to think about it. The synth motif on the chorus is bright and opens up the song. Prince's vocal is a bit low and subdued for my liking. He does pick it up towards the end of the song, but. That aside, the song's well-crafted, it's excellently arranged, and it's one of my favourites. It's a nice collaboration between um, the Dr. Fink and Prince himself. It's a great way to open the album.
2: All right, all right. Uh, Captain?
0: This song was, like you said, it was written by, well, Prince and Mr. Fink have co-writing credit, but I think it was just that that synth hook that Mr. Fink came up with, so that's why he got co-writing credits on the track. But I don't think he had much else. I think everything else was Prince anyway. But it's a nice synth work all through the track. This would have been a great dance floor track. Imagine, you know, I wasn't there. I was three. But imagine if you're in a nightclub in 1980. And this came on, you know, blasting into speakers. That would have been good. With that bass and the synth, that would have just blown your head off back in 1980. It would have been good. But this is the title track of the album. It was a good... Title track it fits the concept more than any other track on this album uh, it's got good backing vocals that's about it
2: you, you know you mentioned if you would if you were, were you know would have heard that song as a i guess as an adult or a teenager when it came out and i think you you're onto something there captain because it's like it's it's a it's a pretty uh out there song you know what i mean it's not like um you know Sadie the cleaning lady or anything like that it's not <laughs> and it's not twist and shout either it's like he's going for the I won't say he's going for gold, but he's really, like, just... It's salacious. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to mince my words. Yes, that's right. So, wh- I think it are-
3: has got that sort of predator thing about it, hasn't it? It's like... Predator? You know, yeah, no, no, in the sense of, like, you know, he's going out with this girl and he's trying to play nice, but in the back of his mind, he's got these, these dirty thoughts that's going on.
0: <laughs> you know what you just reminded me of? Who? You know, in Family Guy, there's that old guy... <laughs>
3: I don't know. The way
0: way he talks, (laughs) now that you remind me of it, the way that he talks (laughs) reminds me of the way Prince whispers the first parts of this song with that really light voice.
3: Well, that's what I was thinking when, when Player said, you know, that his vocal's a bit low in the mix. I think that's deliberate. I think that's because, like you're saying, it's this sort of, he's got this little dirty secret that, you know, that he knows that no one else knows, that he's thinking all these disgusting, disgusting thoughts. thoughts. <laughs> no one knows. Yeah, else... like, I agree with that. But also, too,
1: if you listen to all the songs in the sequence, it's really only until Party Up where he starts to get, like, really aggressive in the vocal. Most of the vocal, the way he sings the songs on this album, it's very, very low or quiet.
2: Yeah. But anyway. I like how you say that they're his secret dirty thoughts that no one else knows. And then I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> aside from the 100,000 people that bought the record. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But um, I think the funny thing, just before I go to you, jam on this, the funny thing about this track as well that I only recently found out was the B-side was when we're dancing close and slow. And I'm thinking, oh, how romantic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in, compar- in comparison to side A. Good move, Prince. So, yeah, toe jam. what are your thoughts?
3: Yes, funky track. There's the video for this, isn't there? For this one and Uptown, on, on this, from the same setup, it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I like those two videos. They're really just like the album. They're kind of raw. The instrumentation on this is pretty small, or pretty much all the way through the album. It's sort of the same instrumentation on each song, which which is really good from an album point of view. I think I like albums that have like a you know thematic sound to them, unlike. Sign of the Times and that sort of stuff. Like, that's good as well, but it's like every song has a different set of instruments, different combination, whereas this is like, no, no, we're just doing drums, bass, couple of guitars, you know, piano, and maybe five or six vocals, and that's pretty much it, the whole album, which is just awesome. So, really, you get to do a whole lot of interplay stuff, which comes up more in the album, I guess. The synth hook thing that we're talking about, I, I swear I reckon that jump song, Van Halen jump song, um, was influenced by this song. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that got a real similar similar sound, similar kind of groove. Um, and for anyone who's wondering, so there's you got C on the bass, and then it's doing a, a G major second inversion, and then an F major second inversion, and then down to C major first, like just normal inversion. So that's the the riff. If you're out there, the lyrics are very suggestive, and you know every now and then he's talking about he wants to do it in his daddy's car and uh, underneath the stars, and but you know he'll give you some money to go along with him. So it's kind of like you know there's a bit of prostitution in there too as well. The clean guitar sound sounds really cool, and lots of power chords on this album. Clean power chords. It's kind of a instrumental theme throughout the album. Just really funky, really dancey. Yeah, great opening track and a good theme setter.
0: The weird thing with that synth book is it's really clashy, but somehow it doesn't sound like it is. Yeah. It's well, just, got, like, it's somehow it works. Like you're yeah. saying, it's in C, right? But the first note is also a B. How can you play B yeah. and C? It just doesn't work, but it does. I don't understand that.
3: Yeah, and, and, and it's got a B in there as anyone, well. So it's, just go and play yeah. C
0: and B on a keyboard right now. And hear how horrible it sounds, well, that's and the then thing. listen it sounds, to this song, and but, it works.
3: But what you've got in between it, you've got a D and a G in between it, so it's spaced out and it's nicely, so your ear hears yeah. that B as being not so
2: close to the C. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree with, with what you guys have said about the track, really, I mean, in a nutshell, it's real funky, it's a great opener, it's new wave, salacious funk to me. Um, You know, those punchy synth, oh. synth chords that everyone mentioned, and the driving beat, great raw piercing vocals that's that's all true but the other thing that st- really strikes me on this is everything is mixed so tight but I say tight what I really mean is dry like it's really dry mixing and maybe it's because it wasn't you know uh, it wasn't overly mixed in post-production or anything like that it just sounds like I don't know to me it sounds like underground music maybe because it's because of the look that he was going for and and because he hadn't quite you know he hadn't hit the big time yet it's just like underground Minneapolis funk and it's really really nice to listen to and Something about the melody is also kind of playful uh, and all the way up until about the 236 mark. Is you a really it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 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 and see what what Captain just did. That pretty much continues up until the 236 mark when the song just explodes with these piercing vocals and lots of intent on the part of Prince with that rhythm guitar just chiming along constant and gritty under the under the mel- you know the lead melody line. But the synths, just to close off, they make me feel like an ambulance or something is on its way to get a patient in need. You know, it's like it's just a really weird feeling. I'm listening to this song and I'm listening to him sing about his dirty, m- dirty mind and and the thoughts that in his mind and all that kind of stuff. And it's like it's almost like an emergency. Like he 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 needs it's to just get that there c- quick. It's that
0: chord with those two clashing notes that just does something.
2: Yeah, it must be it must be the B and C that you guys were talking about. You know. Yeah, I mean the energy's high, but it's also a little bit kind of something odd about it, and maybe it comes down to the to the to what Toe Gem and Captain were talking about. But yeah, great opening track, but a, but a minor classic. You know, I think this is a classic Prince song, but a minor one. It's not really one of the gr- you know. Anyway, I'll
3: leave it there. You know, the other thing I'll say is towards the end of the song, you get the synth strings just playing dun dun dun, dun almost like Psycho kind of thing, mm. <laughs> and um, he brought that back for the classic everybody loves me on 2010 (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah if you listen to everybody loves me you listen to all the instrumental stuff it's very much coming from this song so yeah but see
0: that whole album was a throwback to this era Hmm.
2: yeah all right so that covers track number one let's go into track number two which is when you were mine And uh, let's give this to Captain to lead it off.
0: How many times have we said, probably a lot, but, you know, absolute Prince classic song, because that's what this is.
2: We've said it many times.
0: <laughs> if you don't know by now, I'll say it again. I really like a good pop song. And this this is just... It's amazing in its simplicity. It is fairly simple, but it's, it's it works very, very well. See... I don't want Prince to listen to this and his head to get any bigger, but only a genius could have written such a simple pop song and make it sound so good when it's so simple. You know, there's people out there, they write these super tricky songs trying to make a good song. You don't have to do that if you can write a decent song in the first place. You don't need all the tricky stuff. If you can just write a good basic song in the first place, that's all you need to do, and that's what this is. But I put this up there... I'm not going to say top ten. I'll say top. It's in his top 20 tracks out of what 500 plus release tracks <laughs> that he's had. This isn't. This is in my top 20 because it's just a the classic pop song. You know, it's just a bit over three and a half minutes, just like the the classic pop song should be. And we know Prince loves it because he's played it not every tour, but every other tour. It's been he likes this song. He knows it's a good song. He even he recognizes that. But this song, it's got cool backing vocals. Uh, the keyboard solo is good. It's—I don't want to. I'm going to say this a lot, but it's hard to be objective about such a classic song because it's just—we've all heard it a million times. But I can't think of a single aspect of this song that I do not like.
3: Hmm.
0: And again, it is a masterpiece, to quote someone. <laughs> but um, there's—you know—there's always a song. There might there'll be something that annoys me. It'll be—you know—he says rain and there's some stupid sound effect. There's always something in every song. I'm like, oh, did he have to do that? But this song, there's nothing. It is 100 percent, you know, perfect. Mm. It is great. The the, the guitars, per- so clean. Actually, I don't know if there's even a distorted guitar on this whole album. It's just all clean. I think. Don't quote me, but I think. There's
3: yeah, there's a couple of little distorted bits in other songs, but yeah, it's pretty much clean all the way through,
2: eh? And
0: it's so clean. It's just sounds so good. That's all I got to say.
2: Okay, okay. I'll just uh, keep talking how great it is
0: for an hour, <laughs> so just, just
2: keep someone else going. Chime in at any time. Uh, toe Jam. I pretty much agree with what Captain said. It's classic pop.
3: It's a great song. It's got all the classic elements. It's it's in E, isn't it? Uh, e, A, and B chords. Simple yeah. stuff. Classic beat that... Go-go. Mm, jut, 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 mm, jut, 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 yeah. Is it, go, is it go-go? I,
2: think, uh, I don't know what you I call think that? it's Yeah. I, don't, I was going to say rockabilly. It reminds me of a rockabilly... Rockabilly kind of beat, but I don't know. Yeah, there's a bit it. of that
3: in there, isn't there? Classic synth hook, you know, like just a classic pentatonic line. My favorite moment is the instrumental bridge where it goes to that synth note and the the rhythm and changes in the in the drums and the bass uh, and he's screaming that note that the synth's holding. And I remember that's one of those moments on the hits disc one, uh, which is one of the, the first Prince albums, I, well, I think the first. And that's one of those moments that you sort of hear that in the context of that album. You go, oh, hang on, there's... There's more to this guy than just like, you know, 1999 and the stuff I did like. I thought, oh, that, that's pretty cool stuff.
0: It's 208, that bit. Yeah.
3: So that that's that's like one of those bits that I hear that and I remember it takes me back to when I was first discovering Prince and it's like, yeah, that moment was pretty cool. On the very, very, very final chorus, there's a little extra little harmony on the on the When You Were Mine, which is cool little stuff. Um, that's pretty much all I have. It's just a classic
2: pentatonic pop song that's executed very well. Player, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, i um Exactly like Captain, it's a classic song, classic, classic song. It has a great 50-60 vibe with the um, cheesy high-pitched organ, which really serves as the main melody and the chorus of the track. Lyrically, it's another one of those Prince Durong songs. I think a line like, I never cared, I never was the kind to make a fuss when he was there sleeping in between the two of us is supposed to be taken as a figure of speech, but I'm sure at the time many took it as, a, as the line literally which you can see Prince address in the next album, Controversy, Am I Straight or Gay, and all that sort of stuff. So. And also, if you pay attention to the lyrics, Captain, by the end of the song, mm-hmm. it, Prince turns into the, the stalker guy.
0: Oh, uh, again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the song is, has a happy enough vibe for you not to take it so seriously that Prince comes off, off as creepy or anything. The guitar work, I've got to say, is great. The organ solo is awesome. And overall, it's just a really well-written and executed song very cool song i think um in our top survey it came in at like 26 so yeah it is it is up there yeah it's there, in
2: there was captain's was top 20, 20. and 20 almost in the uh 20. in the top 20 of fans around the world so it's yeah you're right it really is one of the fan favorites okay so i wonder what else i can add to this i mean you guys have spoken about pretty much everything i think the one thing i will say is when I listen to this, I hear all the guitar licks and flicks and gimmicks. And there's a lot of really nice stuff that he's playing on his Hona on this track. I'm also an incredibly big fan of this. It was it was one of my favorite songs prior to 2009. But after going to Montreux, Switzerland in 09 on that big famous MC trip um, that I did, hearing this was one of... If not the highlight of that entire Montreux weekend, it was a great song to hear live. And this song really never, it's never not great. You know, like, it's one of those songs where you listen to the album version, it's great. You listen to his live versions, they're even better. And even listening to cover versions and countless bands and, you know, from pub bands to, to well-known artists. Uh, probably Cindy Lauper is probably the, the most well-known one. But even the covers are good. Which really means you can't do anything to this song. To Captain's point about a good song being a good song, you can't do anything to destroy this. It's just so um, good. But <laughs>
0: I, I could, I could give it a good go <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, it'd, but still, it'd probably still sound alright. Yeah, because it's just
2: so darn good to begin with.
0: I could do a great rap version of it. <laughs> Someone's probably already done that, and it's probably not that bad.
2: It probably. <laughs> Um, but I maintain it's a great song like you guys do. And, and the other thing I will say is, in Prince's career up until this point, this was the best, b- by far, the best pop song he had written until this point. And still- yeah, probably, yeah. But I'll go on to say, and, it, and it's still one of the best since that point. Yep. And that's a big thing to say because it's been, what, 34 years- since this was released, this is one of his best pop songs ever, and you just can't top it. You can't. It's classic. It's just classic material when everything comes together so well. It's one of his best melody lines. The great vocals. You can feel his emotion, and it and there's a there's a bit of meaning to this song. It's not just a throwaway track by any means. You know that underlying synth in in the verses is awesome, and he 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 used that again a couple years later in Little Red Corvette. Very similar synth sounds, and again such a cool rhythm guitar it's instantly listenable you you just can't forget it you know after you hear it once you can sing along to it you can play it in your car it's just a great track and again if third eye girl play this live i wouldn't be surprised because they're in that kind of mood at the moment i think the new wave rock stuff so uh yeah you know you
3: know know what's also great about it yep they also spelt you correctly
2: why are (laughs) you yeah (laughs) that
0: was all to change not long after (laughs) <laughs> he, uh, he, he forgot how to spell in 1981
2: <laughs> Well there's a lot of controversy in 1981 So, oh. uh, And uh, what else can we say So that's about it Let's go into track number 3 Which is Do it all night Do it all night Let's go into it Toe
3: this is another cool song. Uh, the piano comes in on this one, um, so it sort of reminds me of the time sessions, those early time sessions that have a lot of acoustic piano on there. There's this sort of staccato thing going on the whole way through in the keys, uh, pretty much the whole way through the song. There's something going da, 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 da whether it's the keys or the drums or or the guitars, whatever. Um, the bass in this is probably the highlight for me. Listening to the bass doing all its little pops and slides and that sort of thing. I've got here one minute thirty-eight to one minute forty-nine. You know, so the vocals are singing, and you know, a lot of these sort of songs that Prince does, and, and most pop songs, it's like, you know, you have a little phrase, and there's a little bit of a gap, and then there's a phrase, and there's a bit of a gap, but from 1 minute 38 to one forty nine, it's like 11 seconds, which is not that long, but it's like, the vocals just keep going, and it just leads straight in from one phrase to another, and it just, it's a really cool section of the song. It's got another cool synth solo, just like the last one, that comes in on a big screaming note. There's the big, uh, the big stop, and the vocals do this massive scream. And underneath that, you hear this little piano doing bling, which is this little nice little background stuff. There's not too much background stuff in this album. Um, and I like the way it builds, and by, by 3 minutes 20, it's building pretty pumping, uh, which is cool. So it's a really good song, very listenable, very
2: danceable, uh, and suits the album very well. Don't do you think this is in, an incredibly overlooked song yeah, as well? Yeah, that's
3: right, actually. That's I, actually
2: I had that sure. Underrated. Oh, you had that? Okay, that's, a, that's in my notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I just realized, as you said, that it was the first thing I wrote down, Underrated. I mean, this this song, to me, could have easily been on controversy. Yeah. No? (laughs) I mean, I I think it it would go, you know, because all of the cool bass slaps and the momentum pushing it, you know, pushing this song ahead as um, Prince inevitably is looking for the same thing. You know, the start-stop drums are real percussive. The vocal delivery is this sly, smooth, kind of cheeky, cheeky guy with all the- you know when you when you read the lyrics, you know those synths. I don't know what it's called, and you guys are going to fill me in, I'm sure. But you know when it happens in this song, and then it happens once in controversy when when a synth note, I think it's a note, kind of just whizzes in like out, out of nowhere, just just comes in and then just and it's comp- the note's completely like cut off at the end. I don't know what you call that, but this happens a lot during this <laughs> song. If anyone? If anyone has a, even a vague idea of what I'm talking about. You mean about. like the big, like, bow. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What do you call that? I call them oh, bows. Bow.
3: <laughs> I call them like vampy.
1: Like, it's like a vampy. sort of stab. stab. Stab, yeah. I guess
2: stab, yeah, yeah. So, those synth stabs that whiz in, uh, in and out or, uh, regularly throughout this song, they're really kind of striking to listen to. You know, it's especially like the
3: I mean, exclamation
2: mark, isn't it? I want right. to do
3: it, bow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> pow. System. Boom, Batman. (laughs) Yeah, so that's... Anyway, those are my thoughts, but let's go to someone else. Uh, Player.
1: Look, I don't know if it's the mix, the recording equipment, the mastering, if Prince is really bashful or if it's the vibe he's going for, but his vocal is way too soft on this and on most of the songs on this album. But that aside, I really like the vibe of this song. All the musical elements are really tight. A case in point, put on your headphones and listen to the bass. It's just crazy. It's crazy. The bass alone it's perfectly arranged it's bright and up tempo especially with the staccato electric piano it's really really cool i know he'll never revisit this song live ever again but i think it's got good enough merit to bring this one back awesome song
2: i mean it's got live drums so hannah can play this it's not a drum machine <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah definitely
2: hannah do it all night that's that was prince that was prince shouting out the next track by the way for anyone that, uh captain
0: this is it's not my favorite track on the album but it is another pretty good pop song you already said it's got it's got this cool bass all through the track which looking back at you know his whole history that was like a signature thing in a lot of early songs like the first you know three four five albums you know like let's work stuff like that the bass what happened where's that gone what happened to that
3: well he just hasn't released an album for four years that's why
2: it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the bass has been removed for the last four years. What he happened still... to
0: the, the bass, you know, a song that he started with a bass line and that's the whole song, you know? Where's uh, that gone?
1: He, he ditched it after When Doves Cry. He doesn't <laughs> think he needs it anymore.
0: Anyway, bring back the bass because he, he basically dropped it after the first, you know, a few albums. It's like, why? It's bass. Come on. I love the line been waiting such a bloody long time. Yeah, he must have yeah, been hanging like around some British people to, to come out with that line.
2: He was hanging out at Coco. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a good line. Uh, the chorus, it's just classic hook and someone must have realized this since it was the third single, I think, released from the album. 222, the great keyboard solo. Again, bring back synth solos too. Bring back the bass, a song, just bass and synth solos. That's what I listen to. Uh, one thing I like in this track and a few others on this album, the backing vocals. It's very cool stuff. But yeah, that's about it. It's a good one.
2: Okay. All right. So, uh, let's go into track number four. Um, a Short Little ditty. Got a Broken Heart Again. And I'll just repeat that. Got a broken heart again. Because <laughs> it's the way it's written. There track goes the f- spelling. That's right, that's right. <laughs> it's <laughs> all downhill from here. <laughs>
3: I'll
2: just quickly chime in on this because I really, really like this track. In fact, I think, especially coming from a 22-year-old, <laughs> this is a stunning song. It's uh, he, He's singing like a crooner, as if he turned into, uh, you know, sporadically turned into Smokey Robinson or, or the leader of one of the great doo-wop groups of the 60s. I mean... You know, he sounds like the inflection on his vocal reminds me of of a Smokey or some of the other falsetto singers, you know, Little Anthony and the Imperials, all all that kind of stuff. The whole thing is real sweet and nicely executed. And I don't know what it is exactly. Maybe it's kind of the minor, the minor tone. It just sounds, it sounds, it's obviously sad, but it just hits me somewhere, you know, um, emotionally. It's a little ditty and it's kind of nice and sweet, like I said, but. You know, he, he revised this in 2002 on the One Night Alone tour, and I thought that was a brilliant performance and a brilliant version of that song as well. Just a great track. What more can you say? Uh, so, with that, we go to Player. Yeah, this is,
1: for me, straight country and western, for me, the sound of it. Um, it sounds like a brother-sister track of Still Waiting from the previous album to this one. The guitar on this is really impressive, though, and that's what stands out the most, um, along with his falsetto vocal. It's interesting you brought it back, like you said, and revamped it for the One Night Alone tour. It's, an, it's a nice song. It's really the only sort of ballad on this track, if you consider it a ballad, or if you exclude Head as a ballad. Um, <laughs> But it's nice, quick, and to-the-point song. It's cool.
2: Okay, uh, Captain.
0: I wasn't going to bother with saying this for this album, since there's only eight tracks, but a lot of them are very strong tracks. But for me, this is the weakest track on this album. And it's not just because it's a ballad, but that might have something to do with it. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that there's all the other material is so strong, and then this is for me. This is just meh, whatever. It can't all be great. It's it's got this cruisy country vibe, which is okay, and it's a short track. It's only what two minutes, sixteen seconds worth. But yeah, it's this is just this is just skip for me. It's just nothing. Hmm. There's nothing there. Like, you, you know, MC, you're saying you get, some, you get some emotional thing, I get absolutely nothing out of his track. And again, a surprise when it turned up ONA, and, but that's what he likes to do, he pulls some totally random, obscure track from, from history, and everyone's like, what, no way he's doing that right now. <laughs> but when I saw this song in One Night Alone, it was much more of, vo- it was a falsetto vocal showcase. Yeah. The music was totally irrelevant, really, because everyone was just standing there, and I saw in Japan, you know, total silence when he was doing, you know, falsetto vocals. Everyone was just standing there or sitting there, total silence, and you could hear, you know, every breath, and it was it was good. Hmm. But still, I didn't get anything from the song. Okay. I was just I was just like, wow, great vocals.
2: In Japan. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, nah. Next, let's get go, some good songs.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. Toe Jam,
3: close this one out for us. Yeah, it is. Someone said it. It's just it is a bit of a little ditty. Um, and it is kind of skippable, but it's, it's not a bad song by any means. It's, it's quite a nice song. It's, it's got some emotion there. I never really picked up on the song until the One Night Alone DVD came out, and then I, re- I really enjoyed that and went back and listened to this song a bit more. You know, it's, you know, a lot of chords in it. There's a descending bass line that goes all the way down, then it sort of pauses on the four, and then it runs back down, and then it runs back up. So it's a sort of moving bass with lots of chords, interesting chord progression. Crisp guitar solo, that sort of country twang to it. It's a good phone call song. I think I've said this on a few songs. There's this sort of category of Prince songs that are about phone calls. And this one, it's the, you know, he spent all his money on a long distance phone call. So it's kind of a Prince motif. Uh, And I like like the way it finishes on the nothing left to say. And then it has this nice Lydian major chord sprinkling. And then it's just this weird like guitar noise. Like it sounds like he's dropped his guitar or something.
0: No, Uh, no, that was his heart breaking.
3: Oh, was it? (laughs) <laughs> that, oh, is who the the, that, or, that is hell knows. Or was precise... it just his A? Or was it just his A string? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that kind of stuff's pretty cool. Well, it wasn't of... his G string, that's for sure. But they could have I, been. I, I wasn't to the go minor. there. I wasn't going to go
2: there. <laughs> uh, and with that, let's go uptown. Track number five. Uptown. <laughs> Minneapolis. Player, tell us your thoughts about Uptown, the song. This
1: song really became an anthem of Prince's ideology at the time. This is one driven song, great free-flowing lyrics, funky groove based around Andre Simone's bass line. The lyrics are great, although I'm not too sure if Prince relates to them in a 2014 sense, but it's another highlight of this album. This one's a really cool song. And it's really good that it was selected as a single of this album.
2: All right,
3: Jam. This is a funky song. It's got a little Larry Graham-esque bass with those octaves. Do 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 do. That's funky. That stuff. I don't know whether that's Andre Simone or Prince, but whoever it is, it's cool. I love the beginning of the song. How it starts with the snare hits, and I always—you can always imagine Doctor Fink just swinging his little stethoscope, which is how the video starts. <laughs> which just such a cool thing. Uh, the moment you hear that on the song, that image just pops into my head—that swinging his stethoscope. Synth lead hook, and it's got that little bit of just distorted guitar behind that. That's where that distorted guitar was. Uh, um, yeah. It's a great story song. It's like he's telling the story of, you know, how he's walked into this place and someone's speaking to him and this is what he said and this is what they said and so it's actually got a story. Uh, I like the bit where he sings he's singing falsetto about the girl he meets. It's always this nice high, softish falsetto, but then he's like, This is what I said. What's up, little girl? So suddenly (laughs) suddenly put on this macho thing, which is kinda cool. And then he goes back to the falsetto. I ain't got time to play. It's just cool. Yeah, it's all about freedom, you know. We don't want society to dictate us and all this sort of stuff. And um, I love the chorus, you know, where it goes to the where I come from. It really builds up that whole section, gets you pumping when you're listening to it. And you've got that sustained string synth that sort of these hold notes, this da-da-da-da, which is real common of that era, the late 70s, early 80s. I like that sound. Um, The breakdown, which isn't in the single version, it's kind of unnecessary. It doesn't really add anything to the album version. So I don't know why that's in there. Maybe just to fill up a bit of time. And it finishes with that big weird noise going into head. So yeah, I I think this is a cool song. One of the, eh, maybe the second or, well, there's so many good songs this out, maybe second or third best one.
2: Okay. You must be reading off my notes again, Tojan, but I agree with a lot of what you said. And this is probably the... It's good,
3: actually. You just stop posting
2: online and then I keep stealing (laughs) the. I think this is one of the funkiest songs up until that point as well. I can't think of too many more that are funkier. There's probably sexy dancer off, off the second album, but really this is this is really cool funk. It's really tight, you know, with the it's just the typical guitar bass and drums with the occasional keyboard riff that, that Prince is throwing in there and and it's and you know, it's got that breakdown section, but it's all really, really high energy, propensive um, there's a propensive momentum there. And he's and you know, what he's singing about, it's not just about having a good time and partying, but he's talking a little bit about you know, um, stereotypes, whether it's gay or or straight, whether it's um, gender-based, whether it's race-based. It's an interesting kind of um, collage of themes, I think, this song. And, and obviously, he's talking about Uptown, which is, was a part of Minneapolis around that time where everyone used to hang out, you know, all the creatives and all that kind of stuff. And I really get that, you the know. Creatives. Okay. <laughs> the creatives. The, not the executives, the I'm creatives. I'm sure that's what he called them at the time. <laughs> <laughs> where the mofos used to hang out and you know the uh, the artwork and everything is very very kind of you know the graffiti stuff um it, it conjures up many of those sorts of images and to me this is also aside from being a real funky track it's also the point of the album where he decides to kick it up a notch and really put his foot down and put the stamp on on this on this particular record and He's almost like he's saying, "That's it. I'm taking over." This is, you know, the first four songs kind of built it up, but this is where I'm going to really go for the funk. And well, but um, this,
0: this would have kicked off side B, I guess.
2: Exactly. Yeah. On yeah. if you're listening to the vinyl, yeah. So um, actually, yeah, that's, that's a good point, Captain. Because and it's kind of I didn't realize it while I was saying it, but yeah, this is the kind of the you know the second half, so to speak. And um,
0: it's like I've warmed you up now. Now I'm going to blow your head off.
2: Yeah. And he really does with these last four songs. And this is the first one. But um, just quickly on that as well, the first four tracks of this album are particularly interesting for me. I think they're they're sequenced in a really unique way. So I'll I'll talk about Uptown in a second because it's track number five. But have a look at the album again, at the track listing. The first song is completely about sex. The second song is about heartbreak. Then the third song is completely about sex. Then the fourth song is about heartbreak again. And then and then the rest are pretty much about partying and about sex equal in equal measures. And it's almost like by the time Up Down comes around and and you you put the needle on se- on side 2 of this album, it's like Prince makes his mind up in the second half of the record. He's like that's it, I'm going to party and have sex for the rest of this you know, forsaken <laughs> life. I'm done with the heartbreak. I'm done with the toing and throwing. I'm just gonna go and go out and jam. You know, so it's a really interesting part of the album. I think this. So yeah, I love it. the, the bridge is my favorite part. And yeah, and, that's cool that bit. Yeah, that's cool. That's my favorite part. And and how it just builds and builds. You know, but really the song to me, Uptown. It's not just a song. It's an attitude. And it's straight up attitude. I can smell and sense the vibe of Minneapolis in 1980 with this track. You know, the grit. Uh, on the curbside of 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 that town and you know I wasn't even born then so it says a lot for this song but great lines both both great lines in the sense of lyricism but also great bass lines crunching guitar work and I actually uh, you know Toe Jam doesn't like it I like the break around 340 because this is again where Prince differentiates himself from a lot of typical funk artists that just find the groove and stick to it he does that too, but he also does this weird, weird-ass shit sometimes, and this is one of those times. And the whole track just oozes flair and excitement, and I'm getting excited right now, so we're going to go to Captain.
0: This song, it's a great synth book, catchy chorus, longest track on the album, five and a half minutes of just classic, yeah, Minneapolis funk in, in 1980, that's what it is. Uh, I love that descending bass line all through the track, and there's these funky little guitar fills all over the place. Everyone just about said everything else. One other thing, I've seen, this, I've seen him sing this tr- song live and I've seen him sing When You Were Mine live. And this live is just, it's just such a party. You know, you know as soon as this song starts, like as soon as the, 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 drum, the drum starts and that synth line comes in, everyone just loses it because they know what he's playing and they know what a good song it is. And oh, everyone just lost it when he played this. It was excellent. That's all I've got to say.
3: So what 2 was that? Like I'm thinking 01 that or
2: something? Was,
0: no, that was uh, 2000.
2: Yeah, oh, wow. It, yeah. Celebration era.
0: Yeah. I think it was second or third song, actually. As soon as it started, everyone was just like, no way. No way. And everyone just started screaming their heads off. It was good.
2: It's good stuff, isn't it? So, okay, we're five songs in and we're going into track number six. I mean, track number six.
3: <laughs>
2: it is, of course, entitled Head. Not the tennis racket brand, but not, not the thing, not the thing, not the thing that's uh, atop my shoulders. It's a song called Head. The other, the other, the other, the other head. head. Not the head you think with. Like a like a so, bass head. What? Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay, Damn let's head get s- head. We've been <laughs> Pinhead. <laughs> so it's track number six. It's three quarters throughout the album, and then this song comes on, and everything just pretty much changes. I think is the right. <laughs> There's, you know, there's, there's <laughs> Prince, Prince and Prince's music before this song, and then there's Prince and his music after this song.
1: And uh, you, you, I think you drop well, to your knees by the time you get to this. <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> you know what you can say? There's, there's people's, um, there's people's general impression of Prince before this album, and then after they've heard this album. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's where it all changes.
2: So this is, uh, I don't know what to say about this. Who's gonna go first? Toe Jam. Do you want to talk about head first? <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? First thing I've got is that the bass is
3: funky. However, it's very very similar to Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again. It's basically the same thing, but it's it, the only difference is that it's got that accent on the fourth semiquaver of beat four, which is which is what makes the song. I think that dun, 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 That
2: one. Uh, so it's the extra. Are you saying it's the extra note? Yeah, it's, it's not exactly the same.
3: But, you know, there's so many Prince songs that have that thank you for letting me be myself again as the sort of core of the song, and then there's, like, little variations off that. Well, that's, oh, that's fun.
0: They, they invented it, so exactly, you yeah. you've got to start with that and then take yeah. it somewhere else.
3: What I love about the song is that, you know, it's, it's straight 4-4 four, four all the way through. So, you know, the phrases are sort of four-bar phrases, but in, in every single one of those four-bar phrases, there's something interesting happening, and it's often just something really subtle. Like, the bass just might do something a little bit different. It might be a little extra snare hit. Um, there might just be a little pluck on the guitar, but like, it's such a groove-based song, but like every four bars, pretty much every five seconds or so, there's something different happening, just a little, little subtle different thing. And it's really cool just to listen to listen to that all the way through. Boy, it's tough to talk about the song without talking about the lyrics, isn't it? The snare and the claps just sound really cool together. Uh, you got, obviously, the snare, and it sounds like you've got some claps in the left and right, a uh, real thick two and four sound. The synth horns on beat two, one. Such a classic. Sort of synthy hook thing, uh, and I love Lisa's vocals all the way through. It's just sort of, she's sort of like it's almost like she's hypnotised. She's sort of this sort of dead vocal. Which is cool. She sounds bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> because
0: that was probably the seventy-fourth take, and she wasn't happy. <laughs> 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 she she'd get through the second line. Is like nope, again, one more, no, nah, that's not it, one more.
1: <laughs>
3: and of course, in this song, you have the quintessential Doctor Fink solo. Probably the best he's put down, probably the most well-known, the one he's most known for. And also, you've got all the little background vocal stuff, like little oohs and ahs, and I think at one stage, he says something like, well, what's going on, and all this and all this very weird vocal stuff going on in the background. Uh, I will leave you guys to dissect the lyrics and have fun with that.
2: That's it? <laughs> That's it. It's funky. What else can you say? It's, it's, yeah, it's drums and it's bass, and it's funk. No, it is. It definitely is. Uh, player, talk to us about this one.
1: Yeah, there's something wrong if you guys say you don't like a bit of headache. Eh? This isn't backward <laughs> about being forward, is it? The groove is totally hypnotic. It's dirty. It's funky. The basis of the chain. The Sin Solo by Dr. Fink, man, that's like bow down to the master. Just insane stuff. Like that solo. Uh, even if you don't agree with the song or its lyrics, you can't deny no. it musically. It's a great piece of work. It's a um, really, really cool song. I like it. You should at least bring this back for at least a
2: sampler set. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, well,
3: I never recall. want to hear those two words again. Sample set. It's banned <laughs> from the show. Sample set. Banned. If, if yeah. I
0: recall, sometime in the last maybe two years, an instrumental version of this was played. Some, yeah, even, I, I sure. recall. I, I remember recall something, something about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone was like, no way he played head. He didn't sing anything, but still. Hmm. You can't ignore that groove. You know, He's got to play it. <laughs>
2: He should just do an instrumental version, like complete, like from the first second to the last note, complete instrumental version. Yeah,
0: and then all, then all the audience would sing and he'd be out there like going, no, 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 no don't
2: some... sing that, don't sing that. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be hilarious. MC and I
3: have already got this sorted. We'll get to that.
2: Uh, actually, yeah, that's true. We do have our own take on this song and we, <laughs> you may hear it at some point in the future. This is one of his funkiest ever songs and possibly one of the unkiest nastiest song of all time containing in my opinion the greatest synth solo in pop yep of all time that's my statement the greatest and i'm not talking about like what's his name rick wakeman type solos or anything like or you know like some of the stuff you probably hear on on a mike oldfield album or some progressive rock like they're all um you know some incredible stuff i'm talking about like in about 30 seconds or 40 seconds or however long it goes for to squeeze in so much funkiness and nastiness into that synth solo by dr fink is beyond like I, i think it's pretty much beyond explanation it's it's unbelievable every time that comes on i lose my shit (laughs) <laughs> and I'll go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a bit fired up here, but I think I'll go on record to say that it's one of the funkiest moments in any of his music. I, I can't think of too many that are as, you know, and I know it's, it's Dr. Fink playing it and, and by all reports he came up with that part as well. But there's just something about it. like that. And towards the end of that solo, when it kind of, when he slows it down and it becomes real robotic, that is unreal. It's just...
3: It's pretty true, actually. Like you speak to Prince fans, and it's like that's you know you talk about moments in Prince songs, and that's always yeah. one of them when that when that fink solo comes in on head. It's an awesome moment. <laughs> it's
2: just, you know, like the, you're right. It, it, the the hair on the on the back of your neck just stands up. It's unreal. I Feel like playing it right now, but we've got a review to finish. So let's go to Captain.
0: This is the second longest track on this album after Uptown, so you would know it's going to just be a jam. It's another absolute classic Prince song. It's got funky bass all over the place, super catchy chorus, classic synth hook. And again, the master, you know, one of the most absolute genius solos ever on this track. And again, when I saw Prince uh, in 2000, that was when Dr. Fink and Brown Mark and Bobby Z came back. And they did this jam and Dr. Fink did some solos. And, you know, everyone just lost it because he's unbelievable. It's just... It will absolutely blow you away.
2: So you heard a variation of this solo line.
0: Yeah, I can't remember if it was this solo, but there was, it was, it was, you know, it had the classic hallmark Doctor Fink, you know, things yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was just the the thing was everyone was just like loosening their shit and screaming. And I'm like, if you scream too loud, we can't hear it. Shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was loud, but the screaming was louder. And I'm like, no, I have to hear this. Shut up. <laughs> but it was it was uh it was unbelievable
3: you know That's i remember it, at the at, <laughs> at the time fink was like one of the longest lasting band members like he survived yeah. the revolution breakup he went all the way through to graffiti bridge so
0: <laughs> well yeah up until that point he was the longest standing member
2: for good reason too
1: Ah, uh, that <laughs> was a good was show just,
3: it's
2: just around the
1: corner after that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah funny,
3: actually this is getting off topic now in the graffiti bridge you know booklet and it's mm. got the picture of the band. And it's like... And Fink is kind of looking a bit old in that picture. Like, you know, he's got all his <laughs> young hipster, M Tony MC and all this sort of stuff. And Rosie G and all... And then
2: there's old Dr. Fink in the background. I'm like Fast <laughs> <laughs> <It's like, laughs> is welcome. You just don't see Dr. Fink being in that night, Maybe it's because it's hard to imagine him now. But it's hard to imagine him now. Like, in the 91, 92, 93 era band. Mm. Instead of Tommy B. Like, do you see Dr. Fink there? Uh, yeah. He is, Dr. Fink is the longest serving Prince band member. At the time. At the like, time
0: he was. I think Mr. Hayes. Hayes, yeah. It. Really? Yeah.
2: Because uh, Mr. No, Hayes came in about 91. No, but I'm talking 91. about in a single stretch.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Mr. Hayes did have a little break, but... Yeah, in
3: a little stretch, probably. It was a big break. Uh, and then Hayes, he was there... He was out from 2002 to 2006, thereabouts.
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because oh, I, was, I was thinking Ronda, like uh, ninety six to 04. That was eight years. That was pretty close. But uh, yeah, you probably have. So, maybe Hayes, Ronda, and and uh, Fink. <laughs> Imagine if you got those three back now. <laughs> the longer serving band members. All right. So, let's go into the next song. We finished off with Head and... Well, what a way to finish. You know, what, what one of the most controversial... <laughs> one of the most controversial uh, explosive... Uh, (laughs) Seminal tracks Seminal tracks, (laughs) that's right Sexual, salacious tracks in his discography And and actually, just before we go into track number 7 I'll say one last thing
1: That was a real mouthful, MC
2: (laughs) (laughs) This whole show's a real mouthful (laughs) The thing that we haven't kind of highlighted in I was going to say we haven't highlighted it enough And maybe it doesn't need highlighting Because the song is so overt anyway But for a guy to be singing about this in such a uns- non-subtle way is, I think, worth mentioning as well. I mean, it takes a certain amount of swagger and confidence to to put this on record, I think. And that's about it, really. But um, maybe something to ponder and to think about. And in a quirky, funny way, now that we think about it 34 years ago, it was really something. I'll just say that. Because, you know, as much as people say, oh, yeah, it's shock tactics, it's provocation... It's not only that, and that's the thing that I think people miss a lot when they when they talk about Prince's maybe more salacious music, especially his early era. Forget about the fact that it's all in your face, and and there's a high focus on <laughs> literally. Yeah, he's exactly. But just you know, put that aside for a second. The music is. Unbelievable, and when you put those two things together, you know it's just it really sells, and it and it comes over again. Pardon the pun, Captain, but it's a, it's an incredibly intriguing mix, you know, because you don't hear this sort of stuff every day unless you play Dirty Mind nightly. Well, the thing you-
3: is, as well, is there's clearly an element of humor in that whole song. That mm. song is not meant to be taken seriously. Like the whole wedding gown thing. I mean, that it's it's pure comedy. That song, like the lyric lyrically, it's not like. Slapstick humor. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, you know, sadistic porn or something. It's, it's funny. It's, it's humor.
2: No, no, that yeah, comes that's, yeah.
0: later. <laughs> that's the, that's the audio,
2: automatic video. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He did a bit of that, too. <laughs> it probably wasn't incredibly articulate, you know, the things that I said about the song. But I just feel like there's a part of the song that we maybe haven't. Maybe we should do a whole song about head one day. You know, that's 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 what I'm getting at. There's there's something to be said for the the, the,
3: the, the make the it about something totally different.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like like toast, like
3: baked baked like goods,
2: toast or something like a sandwich, for example. But um, <laughs> track number like bread. You know, and track number seven is of course <laughs> sister. To be. Oh, sister. Be
1: honest, it's a short number.
2: And um, with that, we go to Play Up.
1: Okay, a song like this makes me thankful that I'm an early child. Let me tell you that. (laughs) This is an odd song, to say the least. I can only imagine Prince put this song on here to separate himself from the pack, some shock value, the song to ensure, you know, to get your stuff banned, to sell even more records. The track will piss your parents off. And yeah, it did all that. It's almost like an interlude. It's only a minute, 30 seconds long, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say it's welcome. Musically, it's got some great elements, um, guitar power chords with some runs. Lyrically, it's a bit polarizing. I just got to say the version he did on the Love Sexy tour where he rocked the hell out. That's Mm. the most incredible version ever. It's a cool song, but I I guess it's not for everybody. So, yeah, I think I'll leave it there with that.
2: All right. Toe, Jim.
3: Uh, This is actually funny, actually. For those who don't know, the we just cut out and we were talking about Prince's lyrics of the modern era, and we were saying, "Oh, his modern era lyrics. If he was, if he was only young, like eighteen or twenty, it'd be really cool. But he's not now. And this is the kind of song that is kind of funny and cool for like an eighteen, twenty-year-old as as a piss take joke song. Um, that's the way I hear it. But can you imagine him doing this now? I mean, no chance in hell that he's doing <laughs> this song now. <laughs>
2: In, that's, I, okay actually, to, that's probably around about the only place that you would hear it if they did yeah. if they played it in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but like we were just saying with his new songs, the
3: music is cool. Like forget all the lyrics and everything, the music's really pumping. It's jamming, cool guitar stuff, like real clean guitar chords again, power chords a lot of the time. But yeah, it, it is a bit. Those lyrics we were just saying with head, how it's funny, but this this one's funny, but it's like it's kind of wrong, isn't it? When you think about it, <laughs> I don't you know must, what else to you, say.
2: You must be the only one. <laughs>
0: You know what I think it is? I mean you listen to a, a track. The other three head, think it's like, it's like you've taken a
3: joke too far. It's like you know, you get the humor but then you take it too far, and maybe this is taking it a bit too far.
0: But I think that was the point. You listen to yeah. head and then and you're like, okay, this is funny but perfectly possible and plausible. Then you get to this and you're like, Well yes it's possible but and it's still a joke, <laughs> but where is this going? <laughs> I think this song is just continuing the previous song's joke, and yet taking it one more step. He's yeah. like, "Are you going to come, or we're going to go even further?" Here we go.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. Believe it's like, it or not, how, how far can he push it? Yeah, <laughs> the, the the puns really just keep on coming. don't they? <laughs> um, Yeah, it's. I mean, the the, the lyrics are unbelievable. In, in you know, I've used that term before, but unbelievable in in just unfathomable really and it's a bit of an anomaly on the album as well don't you guys think like it's cool to hear it's kind of like i'm gonna hit a sore point here with captain but you know ronnie talked to russia it's like it, as cool as it is to, to listen to um it's got some energy and it's got some cool vibes but at the end of the day that's about it you know and so and sister's kind of like that it's more i think this one is more pure shock value than the genius of of head that came before it but anyway uh, it. Uh,
0: well, see, you talked about, you know, the sequencing of this album. Look where this track is, you know. We stuck it right up the back end of B-Side. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and classic. the puns just keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: but, you know, it's like the second last track. It's like, you know, some people might not even get this far, so I can put it there. Anyway, yeah. You like can't it. help yourself, can you? <laughs> you know, this song is usually cited as one of Prince's most controversial songs in his career and with good reason, but I actually don't have that much to say about it. It's it's a joke, and it's just continuing the previous joke. I like the music, I really like the music, I like the song. Hmm. I love the changes in the last, like, 12 seconds. I like that. It is the shortest song on the album, 90, 91 seconds, and it makes, like, any song that, that is that short makes me wonder what a longer version would be like, but I think the, the charm of this is it's speed and brevity but um i like this song
2: the extended mix of sister goes for one minute and 55 seconds
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, a few minutes ago mc said oh you know some people say he just put it on there for shock value and uh, things like that which is perfectly another plausible thing to say but then you said something about you made me think even today this song would be hugely controversial that's the weird thing. You know, of course a lot of, it would, yeah, yeah. A, so much stuff he did early on in his career now is nothing. It's totally normal. But this is still one of the most taboo things even now. Nothing has changed in that the way people look at his <laughs> <What> subject.
2: <laughs> thank thank God for that, Captain. I mean, hopefully we're not going to get comfortable with incest anytime soon.
0: <laughs> no, but so many other things that he did <laughs> early on in his career, you know, now it's like people don't even think about it. It's nothing. hmm, hmm you wouldn't even notice it but this this is still if someone came out with this song today it would be huge news yeah, yeah. and but see the difference today you now you'd get all these like you know support groups for people who had been had been in that situation <laughs> and it would you know the political correctness would just kill it wouldn't it
2: i, I think it would I, yeah. can,
0: I could just see all these groups coming out going oh he's glorifying this and oh, it, you'd never it would be the yeah. worst thing ever
2: Yeah, yeah. the 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 PC police would as opposed to the Paisley Park police would be (laughs) out on the streets rioting. Yeah,
0: that that's really the only difference, though, than if this song was released then and now.
2: But don't you? I I find that this is it's not completely tongue in cheek, but there's an element of he's not actually taking this seriously either. It's like a bit of a gaff. It's Mm. like you know having a bit of fun with it.
0: But as much as he put this song on there because he you know he thought you know this is going to really you know people are going to listen to this. I just you just know in his head he was like and they're gonna be thinking is it true is it not true
2: yeah, yeah. you know For sure. and then like yeah, just it's like a, it's a little, like, bit, like, contrived. Like, a little like, bit contrived a little bit like
0: players said before that's a good and word, then the actually, controversy yeah, came out <clears throat> and then there was all the am I straight am I gay it's all playing on that you know mm. he, it's the mystery and you don't know what yeah, what he yeah, is yeah and this
2: is where it started <laughs> yeah <laughs> I thought, am I involved in Am I involved in incest? Am I not? Am I involved in incest? Am I not? <laughs> <laughs> it's your, it's, your guess. <laughs> it's but, I mean, guess. It's anyone's guess. It's like,
1: it's like on the Come album. It's like Papa. It's like you know, is another family member sort of thing. Is this really the story with his dad? Is this the, really the story with the mm. sister? It's mm. you know, mm. it's, it goes through it all.
2: Yeah, and yeah, like and both
1: he's... of the both of the songs uh, do have a dark sort of tone in a way. Like when you <laughs> when you look into it,
0: well. That's, that's just him. Yeah, he has a dark, you know, section in his brain.
2: And I love it comes the,
0: out in lots of different, various tracks in different ways.
2: I love the part in this song where he sing, the way that he sings the line, "My sister didn't give a goddamn." It was <laughs> it's just funny to me. I don't know why. The other anyway. thing
0: I like is this song is only like ninety seconds long, and he yeah. gets, and somehow he manages to squeeze in motherfucker twice <laughs> in a ninety second track. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotta say that that's you know, Chris Rock voice, couldn't even man. do
2: that shit these days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm I'm impressed by that.
2: Anyway, moving on from track number seven to number eight, the last song on this album, and it all ends with a loud bang, just like it began. It is of course called Party Up. Bye. And I'll start this off by saying this is a Morris Day track given a Prince. And there was some uh, umming and airing and toing and froing. And at the, end of, at the end of the day, they struck a deal. Um, but this is a Morris Day song done Prince, typical Prince style. And it's a jam. And with that, we go to the man of the jam, Toe Jam.
3: Uh, this is a funky song. Is this maybe the most James Brown of his first few albums? Probably. Mm-hmm. The bass line always... Well, I wouldn't say it would reminds me of the Rainbow Children, but the Rainbow Children the song has a similar line, similar notes, um, similar order of notes, which is just interesting because they're two completely different songs and different styles. For me, I love the guitar interplay all the way through. There's two, I think there's two, maybe three rhythm guitars, and it sort of reminds me of Illusion, Coma, Pimp, and Circumstance. You know, where you just listen to that, and it's got those two guitars that are doing interesting things. If you listen to Party Up, it's got the same sort of thing going on all the way through. Really cool rhythm th- things going on. Uh, it's that classic Prince theme of, you know, partying in the face of war, which pops up normally once an album or so. Uh, it's got a big chant, revolutionary rock and roll, all this kind of stuff. I don't know my history that well. Was Vietnam? Vietnam had finished by this time, hadn't it? Surely. By 1980. Yes. Yeah. So it always seems to me it's like, it's kind of a song that's just a few years too late. Like, it's this. it sort of reminds me like those John Lennon, you know, 70s anti-Vietnam war songs, but it's kind of a few years too late. That's... I don't know why I get that impression, but like, there was there but a war no, going no, on at the time, but don't, or?
0: but don't forget, the very next album was "Controversy," which had the track "Ronnie Talk to Russia." You know that Cold War thing. Yeah, that was, like, that was all was happening right then.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I was, I wasn't even born then, so what would I know? You got that chant at the end as it fades out, and it's, it's like he makes a mistake on the vocals towards the end. He says the same line three times instead of. I don't know if that's intentional or not. It's kind of weird, but yeah, it's just a funk song, and you've got those s- sustained synth notes all the way through goes to the four chord which is what i like about that is he says you know the song's called party up but then the party down section he says got a party down and then it goes to the four chord which is pretty cool so it's a cool way to finish the album it's a big funk song i love the saturday night live performance that's cool and i'll throw it over to you guys okay captain
0: what a song you know we talk about album closers this is an album closer it's just excellent okay let's let's tell a story when i started listening to this album uh, a few weeks ago i hadn't heard it in a long time and I listened through the album and it got this the first time I listened through it and as soon as I got to this track in the first like 10 seconds as soon as the, the drum started I'm like that sounds like Morris like totally forgetting you know what I knew about the track or any history and I just thought this sounds like Morris Day and then when I started reading all about it I uh, guess what it's Morris Day it's a Morris Day drum beat, and it was just weird there's just something about the way that Morris plays the little fills that he does and then I started reading about it, and, you know, what do you know? Morris created that the, groove. The
2: groove, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I think Prince plays it on the album, but it's a Morris' it's Morris's drum beat. But it was just weird. That was the first thing I thought without even thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I was right. But uh, it's a good song. The, the, the funky bass line, it just locks in with those drums, and off you go, four and a half minutes, Minneapolis funk again. This song and Uptown, they're sort of evolving from the Prince album where he started putting, you know, these longer jams on an album instead of just, you know, the three-and-a-half-minute pop song. Uh, I love the acapella bit at the end, and I don't think that thing's a mistake at the end. I think, I think that's on purpose. But I don't know. Who knows? We'll never know. It's a good song. I like it. Great song to
1: end, end the album with.
2: Player, what are your thoughts on this yes. album closer?
1: Oh, man, the guitar on this is awesome. It's really, really nicely recorded. The groove and the breakdown with the electric piano is really funky, too. The vocal is really strong, finally by this point in the um, album. It's like a protest anthem. Um, That's how I always saw it. And I agree with ToeJam, the performance on Saturday Night Live was a real highlight. And I agree with Captain, it's a great way to conclude the album, and it's a nice segue into the next album controversy. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, he he really... I mean, he's he's partying up on this track. That's the chant, but and then there's all these anti-war messages. So I always kind of think of this song as like a, as you guys said, and, and as player just said, it's a, it's a funky song, but it's like a an anti-war celebration jam almost. And as funky as it is, though, I think this is this song contains an incredibly overlooked bass line. Mm. You know,
0: great, great bass.
2: When I think of great basslines, we all, I'm sure we all. All four of us, at least, think, you know, 777, Let's Work. The list goes on, but they're all, um, they just pop out straight away, you think of them. I've never said Party Up. I've never even thought of it as a great bass line, and it's so good, so, so good.
0: See, a lot of these early tracks, you know, they're massive bass lines, and they just slowly dropped that as time went on. You know, it, it came back here and there, but, you know, these first few albums, crazy, crazy on the bass.
2: Hmm. It's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How, how I, I mean, he's changed so many things about his about his sound throughout, throughout the years. But just finishing off on this party up has that great chant. He actually um he brings that back occasionally, but just as a chant, you know, the party up, got mm. to party up. And even last year in Switzerland, and Nikki uh, will remember this, and a few other people that were there, that, that he brought that back into the. I won't say it because Jams has um disallowed the the term but a, a part of the show where the the entire band is not playing their instruments live <laughs> during that section. Oh the toilet um, break section. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> during that section he he, he brought that um, he brought the Party Up chance. but you know I love the parts in this in this original track where the synth I was gonna say flies in for a second but I've now learned that's called the stab so those synth stabs in Party Up are so good and I think Toy Jam said the Saturday Night Live version—they're in there too. And as the synth stabs come in on that on that live performance, Prince and the the other band members—they just do this move, like in in time with the music, you know? Yeah. They just kind of kind of like, give it a bit of a jiggle or a shake, and it's like so darn funky. And I love the guitar in this song—the rhythm guitar is just ridiculously funky. And it always reminds me not of Prince, not of James Brown, but more more so Jackson Five actually reminds me of Jackson 5 rhythm guitar playing. To the point where there's parts of the rhythm guitar bits in this song that remind me of, um... That's Shake yeah. Your
0: Body Down to the Ground.
2: Shake Your Body Down, that's right, not Nobody. Dancing Machine, sorry. Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. It is what it is. It's, it's an incredibly uplifting party song, Party Up, by the soon-to-be Party Man from Minneapolis. And uh, <laughs> that closes out the Peach and Black review of that famous album from October 1980. Dirty, okay, mind. <laughs> Dirty mind. Let's
1: go. Dirty mind. Scored MC.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh. Well, I mean, to conclude, what can you say about this? Where does this rank in, in I've, your? I've got,
1: a, I've got a great thing
0: to say about this.
2: Okay, let's start. It's just one.
0: It's just one line, but it perfectly sums it up. Okay. And I've got to admit, I did steal it from somewhere else, some someone's review online somewhere. Okay. And it's um. It said the first two albums were, like, you know, they were very innocent and romantic and, and this album was just, like, sexual assault.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, in track number seven, it was literally sexual assault. And I'm
0: just like, oh, that's the best description of this album. I could never come up with anything better than that. <laughs> I just read that and I'm like, oh, that is perfect. Because hmm. it is, you know, the first two songs, they're all about love and la-li-la-li-la. And then this is just, like like you said at the start, some reviewer said it's total 180, and it's just uh, sexual assault. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> That's all I've got to say in my conclusion of this
2: album. Captain calls Dirty Mind sexual assault. In other news headlines, <laughs> Toe Jam prohibits Pete and Black host from mentioning non instrumental, <laughs> non live portion of show. <laughs> well, for me, the, for me, the
3: album is all about the instrumentation. There's, it's Compared to his other albums, it's so sparse. Like I said earlier, it's just. It really is like a... It sounds like just a band in a studio, even though it's just Prince doing everything. And that's the amazing thing about this album, I think, is that it's so it's so musically, musically coherent. The songs are well-written. It's all performed well. It's, it's arranged well. But it's not superly
2: overproduced, which is cool as well. And wait for it. It's one guy. No. <laughs> one guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who's this band?
3: <laughs> but you can imagine that. Like You can imagine someone bringing in like demos like this sort of sound. Mm. You'd be pretty impressed. Can For you imagine, sure, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine Mr. Harsity this? was allowed to have his moment.
0: <laughs> can you imagine this ever happening now? You know, a guy just turns up with demos and they're like, yep, that's good enough to release. Let's go. Hmm. Not going to happen. Well, you know, but if, everything yeah. is overproduced to death now. I mean, I'm sure there might be some, you know, independent stuff that, that comes out that's like this. But, you know, generally, this would never happen these days.
2: The only, the only example that I can think of that happened... 2 years after this release, after the release of Dirty Mind by a well-known artist and Prince by that stage was you wouldn't call him a, you know, superstar, but Bruce Springsteen released his 1982 album Nebraska and that was recorded that was all recorded on four-track tape and supposedly also a similar situation where he had just... It was like the first preview listen and whoever he, he played it to, the guy said, that's it. That's the album right there. Forget about adding anything else. Like, that's it, you know? So, whether that story is true or not, we don't know. But Prince pioneered it. So, um, oh, I'm sure yeah. those other artists have done it. Oh, yeah. There have to be. But it, it's not every day that you hear that kind of that kind of sound. Yeah. yeah. Player, what are, your, what are your kind of end um, of show remarks?
1: Like, upon reviewing this album for this uh, show, like... You you realise like every song is almost killer, like it's a killer album. The only thing that I don't like about it is it's missing a lot of low end. It's it's not you know, it needs a bit more sort of heavy on the bass, but I mean the songs are strong enough to sort of cut through that. Like they have their own intensity. I just I think it's just the limitations of having it, I think, recorded in his own home studio for the first time, but it just needs just a bit of oomph in the low end, I think.
0: Don't say this. Prince'll just go home and push his button on his little thing, and there's the instant bass.
1: <laughs> uh, well, if it, if it gives it a bit more depth, then I I'd welcome it. But that should be like a preset,
2: instabase.
1: <laughs> you, in you can
0: apply that to a lot of albums.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 a it's a great album.
0: This is one of those like, apart from it being. There's another pun coming, but this is one of those pivotal albums, and it was a total 180 pivot from the previous album. But without this, you know, would controversy wouldn't have been what it is. It would have been something, but it wouldn't have been what it is. I mean, the, and we've said this before, you know, with the evolution, every album just follows on to the next one, and you can just follow it through. And it's, it's, it's an amazing journey to go from the start and just to, you know, see how it goes.
2: You know... Captain, it is an amazing journey, and even though I wasn't born at the time, you think of that kind of four or five year period from For You to Prince to Dirty Mind to Controversy to 1999 is mind-blowing, and you think to where we are today, and, and I'm not I'm not pretending that this is any sort of logical comparison, but, you know, he hasn't released an album in almost four years compared to the first four years of, of, of his career. Hmm. You know, it's it's a huge contrast. And again, I'm not necessarily saying any, anything profound here, but or even judgmental by any stretch. But it's just it's just it is what it is. You know, like those early ye- formative years, so to speak, were just so rich. You know, even when the stuff was raw and gritty, like on Dirty Mind, it was just really rich because it seemed to just. And people have said this in the past. You know, the likes of Alan Leeds, etc. It just flowed out of him. And, you know, player, when you say all the material on this is pretty much killer, I don't think he, I don't think even he knew that it was killer. It just kind of flowed out of him and he put it on a record and he released it. And that's what it, I think, it seemed to be like back when he was starting out. He just used to like record, 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 put it out, put it out. And, you know, now we sit here in 2014 reviewing an album that's 34 years old going, man, this stuff is really good. And it's good throughout, you know, there's really no no skipper. Um, if in <laughs> the pot.
0: if I if I recall correctly he spent you know he blew the budget on for you trying to get everything right <laughs> he blew and the then budget. the prince album he did in like, <laughs> in like
2: he blew the budget all over to get all on right. himself
0: <laughs> but then the prince album he knocked out in like seven weeks and this this was similar <laughs> 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 well you guys with this dirty mind <laughs> jeez. But this album was similar. He did this in like you know seven, eight weeks, something like that. Yeah, you whacked that off like <laughs> really, really quick. real quick. Uh. Uh,
2: turning all those knobs and buttons. <laughs> oh gosh,
0: unbelievable. <laughs>
3: What's that? It's like it's like working with a four-year-old or something.
0: <laughs> it's a full-on sexual assault. This album.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a full-on sexual assault. But wait. Take a seat. It's it's a sexual assault by one, one guy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a whole band. No. You're being assaulted by one guy.
3: This <laughs> kid <it> from Minneapolis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Playing all the instruments.
0: <laughs> like, Playing all himself. his own instruments. Ah,
2: who who knows anymore? <laughs>
0: he listens to his own music and plays along with himself. Yeah.
2: <laughs> While he plays the, to the music. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Playing that one-eyed b- <laughs> so, okay. is that his
0: joke when he says, Oh, by the way, I play bass guitar?
2: Is that, is <laughs> yeah, it, is that the it. joke? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any shout outs, guys, just to finish off this show? i got a shout out to Joey Cococo
3: from the org who likes the show. show. Yay. Thank you, Joey Cococo.
1: And I want to send a shout out to Jason Challenger. Thank you, brother, for listening. And I'll catch up with you soon.
0: Uh, and a shout out to the night child, Jay Spud. He, he likes the show and laughs his head off at inappropriate moments in public. So that's great. <laughs> hmm. Listening to us. <laughs> a few people have said that. They listen to us like on headphones and they go out in the real world and just burst out laughing at some stupid thing we said and everyone looks at them like they're mental. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is great.
2: A peach and black moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the London subway. Uncomfortable moment. <laughs> I'd just um, like to um, send a couple of quick shout-outs to Russ Thyret and Mo Austin because without those two guys, we wouldn't be here today. I don't think yeah, talking exactly. about this great, you know, taking a chance on this kid from Minneapolis. Let's not forget some of the people that were there at the time. And um, you
0: mean it's not a whole band playing that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Grundman for mastering the LP as always, yeah. great work, Bernie.
0: And and and, uh, and remastering them only a year or two back.
2: Shout-out to to the Doctor Think.
3: To oh, the Doctor
0: Think. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, Doctor Dr. Fink and that that keyboard, my God, unreal. <laughs> it's,
2: it's unreal, isn't it?
0: We've probably said this before, but you just did a shout out to you know Mo Austin and, and who else? Russ. Yeah. Have we done a shout out to Prince? Ever? We, we must have. Ever? Yeah, we not. have.
2: But let's I'm do sure it anyway.
0: Let's do it anyway. All right. Shout out to Prince for recording the most unbelievable you know body of music in the last 35, for the last 35 years, Hmm. because otherwise we'd be sitting here talking about something else.
2: Or nothing at all. We'd be talking about John Farnham and and Mike Oldfield.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure would be great fun for me.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly not for anybody else.
2: And for the other five listeners in Australia who still listen to (laughs) John Farnham. Um, But you're right, Captain. Shout out to Prince. Shout out to Prince, because that that is the reason why we're all here today, still listening to the music, still discovering things in it, and uh, I won't get all teary-eyed on you all, but I mean, it is 2014, we have been doing this for over five years now, and um, we've done a lot of, you know, we've done a lot of album reviews, and a lot of cool and interesting stuff, and we've had some cool experiences, and we've seen some shows, and we've had interviews from authors to... I was going to say musicians, but I just realized we haven't had a single <laughs> Prince-related musician on the show yet. Um, but, you know, we've interviewed an author. We've had uh, Shelby on the show. We've had Nikki, And, and there's it's,
1: not it's, a lot of albums left. It's akin to a religious experience. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we've written tour programs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's not give it all away now. But um, let's just say we've been involved behind the scenes. And, uh, yeah, and, and you know what, and I'll just quick do a quick, this will be an R ah moment, but a shout out to player, toe Jam, and Captain, ah. my brethren, oh. because uh, you know it really is. It's a. It's not a one man show. It's a f- <laughs> not a one man. This ain't Prince doing this podcast. Oh. It's a whole band. Oh, big group. <laughs> Virtual oh. hug. But it is. Um. It is what it is. The Peach and Black yeah. show.